This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff, Eric, and Brian with you on a Wednesday evening, a late Wednesday show. We're recording this uh, after watching UCF women's basketball just trounce Houston in a dominant defensive performance in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. We'll talk about their run to the final, which will be Thursday evening, night actually, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Break that down for you. Also, men's basketball uh, traveling out to Fort Worth. They will start. They will play tomorrow just before the women uh, in their first game of the tournament. Uh, and then we also got plenty to talk about in all the other sports as well, including some uh, updates on soccer, volleyball with a big uh, series coming up uh, this weekend. Lots to talk about. How are you, gentlemen? Boy, that was uh, that was quite the uh, suffocation that UCF applied on Houston tonight, wasn't it? It's not bad when you can turn the ball over 23 times and still thoroughly dominate your opponent. Yeah, the, t- the 23 turnovers, Murph, it's not what you want. But, Boy, well, yeah. Hey, look, they're I playing a late to... night shift. In, in in fairness, all right, it's really late night. Like this is the latest we've ever recorded the uh, the banner. Yeah, in this is history. This is quite late. So if Murph starts to drop off there, you'll start. <laughs> you'll know why. Um. So uh, so let let's dive right in here. All right, sixty one thirty nine. The final. UCF wins their semifinal game over Houston. Um. <clears throat> uh, to get to the American Athletic Conference Championship game against USF, who struggled mightily with Tulane uh, earlier today, but still gutted out a win. Uh, neither team shot particularly well in that game, but UCF on, in this game, boy, they put the clamps on Houston. This is the number two scoring offense in the American. The Houston Cougars averaging 68 points a game. UCF holds them to 39 total. They were 14 of 53 from the field, two of 16 from beyond the arc. UCF also dominated the boards, uh, out-rebounding Houston 45 to 26. Uh, Diamond Battles was the Knights' leading scorer for the second straight night. Uh, 14 points on 5 of 8 shooting. Uh, also, Masnikava had 13 and 9 rebounds. She was 6 of 10 from the floor. 10 points each for Alicia Lewis, although Lish didn't really have a very good night shooting. She only made 1-3 from the floor, but she gets 7 of 8 free throws. Um, and Brittany Smith was pretty solid down low as well. 10 points, uh, 5 rebounds uh, as well. So, Eric, I'll start with you. This UCF team right now, they're peaking on defense. Uh, and you brought up the point after they finished the regular season with uh, with the victory over USF that, uh, what was it? UCF had outscored the Bulls by, what was it you said? 27 points in the in the finals, in the six last quarters. six quarters yeah. that they played against yeah, they them. So if it wasn't for that bad first half in Tampa, this might be a whole different narrative heading into this tournament. But... Um, hey, here we go. Rubber match uh, in in Fort Worth. So what did we learn tonight? What do you expect in the championship game? We learned that we the two best teams are playing for the championship. And that's clear. Like, and, I, and that sounds redundant, but I do think that's important to bring up for the committee. Like, there should be two teams in the NCAA tournament from this conference, and they both are from the state of Florida. That, to me, was an exclamation point. And I think UCF sent that message because – there have been some chatter, and I was in this camp about 
the possibility of Houston jumping UCF, especially had Houston beaten UCF, of making the NCAA tournament because from a geography standpoint, it's a lot easier for the NCAA to bus Houston to San Antonio, which is where the entire women's tournament is going to be held, not all San Antonio, but basically the state of Texas, than to fly UCF in. That chatter has been going on. I've talked to people in Texas. That talk was going on. And I think UCF knew about it. I think UCF wanted to make sure there was no doubt about the fact they were the superior team to Houston and that any of that conversation would go to, would go quietly. So they accomplished that. And let's be real. This now, we have a UCF-USF matchup, which in my opinion is not only the biggest women's basketball game in the history of this rivalry, the War and I-4, but it is also one of the top five biggest War and I-4 sporting events of all time, period. Mm. Behind the 2017 football game, which is obviously number one, and then I would put the three softball regionals that they played against each other in 2005, 2008, 2012, behind the football. And then this women's basketball game is right there. This is right there. This is a championship game. Both of these teams have been knocking on the door, and they've always had to run through that UConn roadblock. Well, UConn's no longer in this league. You add to the fact of the controversy last, uh, how the season ended with USF being rewarded the championship. They didn't win the championship. Let's make this clear. They did not win the championship. They were rewarded the championship via the forfeit. And for that garbage site, our boys, the Daily Stampede, or should I say the wannabe Bannerettes, to even acknowledge that championship is oh, embarrassing. Man. But that's a whole other story. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. But, but here's the bottom oh, line. Here's the bottom line. All of that gets decided where it should be decided, and that's on the court on Thursday night. And that's what it is. Either yep. USF will prove that they were the legit best team in the league and they were the champions if they beat UCF, or UCF beats them and shows that they were robbed of a regular season title, but they win the one that matters because this championship is the one that sends the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. This is a huge event, the biggest uh, American uh, War and I-4 women's basketball game ever. And you could argue one of the biggest women's basketball games in the program history, considering who you're playing and what's at stake. 10 p.m. on ESPNU, 9 p.m. local timeout in uh, Fort Worth. This is the first time for UCF in the American Athletic Conference uh, championship game since 2019 when they lost to UConn. Uh, in, uh, USF lost to UConn in their last trip in 2018, the year, uh, the year before that. Um, UCF obviously made the at-large uh, bid in 2018. Do they get that at-large bid now, regardless of tomorrow's result, Eric? I think I think so. Um, you know, I'm not going to say 100% lock because I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I'm following the entire women's basketball landscape. Maybe Murph is. Maybe Murph could tell me what other conference steel bids possibilities are going on. I know the <laughs> Big Ten is going on in women's basketball, but I gotta believe. I gotta believe that these two. What else you? I mean. These are the two best teams in the league. You see, and basically UCF beat USF already uh, in the regular season. I, I, I got to think that they're in. I got to believe it. Um, but you hope they're shocked. But here's the thing. You don't have to worry about it if you beat USF. It's real that simple. And quite frankly, Jeff, I got to tell you, I think they're the favorites. I think the fact they're playing in a neutral court where, quite frankly, South Florida has struggled immensely shooting the basketball. We can get into this because I know you and I disagree. I don't know what – and I, I, we haven't had Murph chime in on this, but this, I think, is going to be a factor in the men's tournament. It's a new arena, 
It's an arena where a lot of these teams have not played. Maybe Houston did earlier in the year, and men's basketball did. But new backdrops, I think it's not great for shooters. And I think this works to the UCF's favor more than USF. USF has not adapted. They have not shot the ball well in their two wins. They were lucky to get past Wichita State and Tulane. And I just wonder, I don't know if they can find their shot all of a sudden in a third day, in a third game, in a third day in a row. So, uh, I think UCF, and I think UCF's been looking forward to this game for a week. Don't you think, Jeff? I mean, that, don't you think that I, they won't say it publicly, but even Abe said this in the post game last Thursday. They felt they should have been co champions. And I think deep down internally, they felt they were robbed. And I think they want to, I think they're secretly happy they get USF again. Oh, I, I would imagine. So let's go ahead and listen real quick. We have uh, uh, Coach Abe and then Masani Kaba. Uh, right after the game, uh, here's the here's a sound from Coach Abe and Moss. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Eric, you're smart. We just said that. I mean, it's kind of the same. We're a completely different game plan for other people, right? Which I like that, you know, because it's hard to prepare for us um, offensively, especially against our defense. And our defense is looking really good right now, and the players have really bought into that, you know. And it starts. I'm I'm always going to say it, and you know, Diamond and Moss and Tay. That defense is, they are stifling in it. You know, they're just so good in it. So um, they know their rules. They know what they're supposed to do. They, they know how to pressure. They, you know, they just know so much with that defense. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, fun to meet up with them again. And Jose's great. And, you know, and, and it's a championship game. And so we got to bring a championship game. Hey, I mean, I love it. You know, we're going to go out. We're going to play, you know, we played them in the past, what? week two times but you know we're gonna go out there tomorrow and we're just gonna play our game and we're gonna play UCF basketball I mean if you're ready for a good game you know tune in that's all I could say it's gonna be a great game tomorrow Masa Nikaba doing a little programming work yeah in there um <laughs> the uh the uh, okay so this I think was pretty interesting going back to what some, what we talked about earlier um USF had that hot shooting first half against UCF, but then they went cold in the second half uh, against the Knights in the game in Tampa that they eventually did pull out. Since then, all right, this is what USF has done from the field in their next, after they won that game in Tampa. They shot 25% at UCF, 24% against Wichita State in the first game. Uh, of the tournament, 27% tonight against Tulane in a game they won by only four points. Um, and even though the three-point shooting has been okay, they are really struggling right now. And and it looks like they've they've run out of the juice that they had earlier in the season. USA, I think I think that right now, I mean, and you never know. Like you know, momentum's only as good as 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 last night's sleep, but. Um, Right now, it feels to me like UCF has a tremendous chip on their shoulder, and they cannot wait to get another shot at USF. And I'm not saying USF isn't isn't you know just as isn't going to be just as you know cranked up for this game as UCF will. But I don't know. There's just something about this that it, I would love to know what they would put the line at for this game because I I, I would Murph, I would Murph, I really like Murph. yeah. I'm trying DraftKings. I know, I know, but I, I would I, I love UCF in this matchup. And you know me, guys, I, I don't like to I, I'm nervous Nelly, of course, but Well, here here's the thing uh, about this matchup, and we saw this last week twice. The team that wins inside 
the lo- mm-hmm. the points in the paint and rebounding will win this basketball game. We could talk about the shooting all we want. To me, this matchup comes down to Munanga, their be- uh, their bigs over there at USF alongside Leverett against Kaba and Brittany Smith. USF got the better end of that inside game. They won the rebounding battle and the points in the paint in Tampa. They won the game. Mm-hmm. In the second meeting in UCF, Kaba and UCF destroyed USF in the paint. To me, it, USF, the reason they've been winning in these two games ugly is because they've been do- getting offensive rebounds, second, third chance point opportunities. I think they crushed Tulane in the boards offensive rebounding-wise. That's where this championship's yeah. going to get decided. Whichever front court wins that battle, whichever front court could stay out of foul trouble and win the battle in the paint and the boards will end up with a championship, uh, uh, win a championship at the end of the night. Murph, this is a historic defensive team that we're looking at right now. 49.2 points per game allowed. That is better than every other team in the history of Division I women's basketball in the NCAA, except for 12. <laughs> except yeah. for 12 teams. Like, this is this is mind-blowing. This is, this is a historic team we're looking at, isn't it? Absolutely. And it, it just, uh, keeping track of that game tonight, there are stretches there where UCF's offense was on fire, uh, like you know, and and you know, not not very stereotypically on fire. It's not usually what they do, but then they'll go cold and they'll not score for six minutes, and it won't matter <laughs> because their defense, their defense is just so tight. Uh, you can't get, you can't take advantage of that. Even with the all the turnovers, the point off turnovers were even. Uh, I mean, you know, so they 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 do throw possessions away. They're not. They're kind of sloppy with the ball sometimes. This is this is the sixth time this year that UCF women have had 23 turnovers in a game. Exactly 23. They've only had more than 23 once, and they've had 23 six times. And it doesn't matter when you still get stops at the other end. And that's all that Coach Avis has said and, and pressed to her team. And she said it in the postgame press conference was that, you know, yeah, we want to be better at that, but when that happens, we just got to get stops. And they've done that. And now, you know, you've got a perfect situation with the rivalry game for a conference championship, uh, for a title, you have, you know, you know, if UCF feels slighted in, in any way of how the regular season title was decided, I'm sure they'll bring that attitude to the floor. This could be, I don't know, you guys said before, this could be maybe a chippy game where, you know, maybe someone, someone gets attacked. Oh, or I, I guarantee someone lets you. It well, there was a double, what was it, double tech last week? Just a double the, tech the, last week, yeah, yeah in the first yeah, half. I, I think it's going to be a physical game. I think it's going to be chippy. It'll be interesting how the officials call this early. I'll be looking for that. As well, but look, this is the stakes are high, and both sides, I'm sure, have heard this chatter. They've heard it. I'm sure USF is motivated by the fact that some, you know, we, people like myself and, and others, rightfully so, have called out the championship. It's not against them. I mean, they deserve half the championship. All we're saying, and we wrote about it, is UCF deserves the other half. That's all. When both teams played on the court, they went 12 and two. There was no forfeits there, uh, and there will be no forfeits here. It's going to get decided on the court, but I think USF is going to be motivated. I think they're two motivated teams. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. This is good for the league, I think. In the end, these are the two yeah. teams really that when UConn left, these were the two teams with the two coaches that you identified as being the flagship for this for the league. They have been the two best programs that have been chasing UConn. With all due respect to Cincinnati, I know they got to the championship last year, but that's a one-year thing. These have been the two best programs. They have the two best coaching staffs in the league, and I think we've said this in a previous podcast. I've said it. I think right now, Coach Abe against Jose Fernandez is the best rivalry in the war of all the Warren I four rivalries currently. 
they have the best rivalry. They have lifted this rivalry. This was not a rivalry. This was a one-sided uh, deal prior right. to Abe's arrival. And she has made this a big-time rivalry. And it's exciting. Two completely different styles. And as we, as they all say, as your idol, Murph, right? Burt Sugar used to say, what is it? The uh, opposites create great fights? Or what, what, what was his old Styles make that? fights. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yes, styles yep. make fights. Styles make fights. And, and you have a defensive... Uh, you have a defensive team uh, in UCF, or, or a team that their center of gravity is on defense, and then of course Jose Fernandez and the Bulls and their that high flying, hot shooting offense, which has not been shooting well. Will they will they catch it this time? They're going to have to hurry because and it's going to be a challenge against that UCF defense, like we talked about. So tip off for this game will be Thursday night, March the 11th, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. local local time. Late, some late night basketball. Busy night in Fort Worth uh, for the American. That championship game will be carried on ESPNU. As for the uh, men, we're going to talk about them in just a second because they're going to be part of that busy day of basketball in the American too uh, as they start their journey in the American Athletic Conference Men's Basketball Championship. We'll have a preview of that with Murph and Eric and yours truly when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here as uh, it is championship week in the American. We just got done previewing the American Athletic Conference Women's Basketball Championship, which will be, uh, of course, uh, Thursday night at 10 p.m. ESPNU will carry, uh, will carry the game. But it's all American all the time on the U on, uh, on Thursday because we got the first three games of the American Athletic Conference Men's Basketball Championship Prior to the uh, women's game, noon, 3, and 7, you got Temple at USF uh, at noon. You got Tulane, Tulsa at 3, followed by ECU, the number 11 seed, dead last in the conference against number 6, UCF, 7 p.m. So it's a UCF doubleheader on the U, boys. Uh, We got the men at 7, the women at 10, and uh, UCF kicking off uh, the men's tournament here. Uh, The winner... Moves on, uh, that's game number three. The winner moves on to face uh, Memphis, who's the number three seed. That game would be at 10 p.m. on Friday on ESPNU. So, by the way, Memphis bumped down to three because of a half-court buzzer beater on the final shot of the American Athletic Conference regular season for Houston that won them that game over Memphis. So Houston bumps up to two. Memphis drops to three. Wichita State, despite playing like no games, is actually the number one seed in the tournament. Uh, and SMU is the four. But here we are, Murph. Uh, Coach Dawkins and company are in uh, are in Fort Worth now. And they're getting a rematch with uh, ECU, whom they struggled against last time out. But that was without Brandon Mahan. That was without C.J. Walker. Those two guys are back uh, for, the tournament, for, for the tournament, or at least we are expecting them to be back. Um, do we expect more of the same or should this be, or, or is, is this a situation that UCF should handle pretty, pretty readily here? Uh, I mean, it's, well, it's always tournament basketball, right? So weird things happen. However, I think you will see a better performance yet because I thought one thing that they really lacked in that finale against ECU was rebounding. They really, you know, and against Tulsa as well, when they also were missing CJ Walker. They, they missed opportunities to get, you know, important rebounds to stop runs. 
and, and to you know to kind of stem the tide, as it were. Uh, with C.J. Walker back, I know Brandon Mahan's a good scorer, a really good shooter this year. Um, he made an all-conference team. That's great. I think C.J. Walker's more important right now to this team. Uh, his defense, his rebounding ability, um, and his offense that has come along. I think uh, that's that's going to be very important. That's something that UCLA got really, really missed against ECU. So I would expect a better effort. Um, I expect a more complete effort. Um, but again, it's it's the tournament. You know, it's the tournament. Things happen. Yeah. Well, we got some uh, postseason awards that got uh, that got passed out as well, and uh, Isaiah Adams was kind of like that was kind of the uh, highest profile award that went to uh, a UCF player from uh, from this year. He made uh, the All Freshman Team. Um, by the way, the player they they had co players of the year: Quentin Grimes of Houston and Tyson Etienne of uh, Wichita State. So, congrats to those guys. But as far as UCF awards went. Uh, Brandon Mahan and Darius Perry made the uh, third team, which for some reason they put six guys on. Uh, and Isaiah Adams made the all-freshman uh, team. So I'm glad those guys got the recognition they the, that they certainly deserved. I thought Darius Perry was really something this year. I thought he was the straw that stirred the drink. Um, but this is just the tip of the iceberg for Isaiah Adams, isn't it? Because I feel like he's really he's really stepping up his play late in the season, isn't he, Murph? Yeah, I mean, 13 for 22 over the last four games from three. I know that's a small sample, but, uh, you know, we considering he was seven for 35, Yeah, you know, heading into that stretch, he's, it shows you how he has really sort of developed his game on the fly here as a freshman. And Johnny Dawkins said it's just, you know, it's just he's a kid growing into college basketball. And, you know, for the freshman especially, this has been such a detrimental year in terms of development as a basketball player because you didn't have – the summer conditioning programs, you didn't have the time to really gel with any of your new teammates. So for freshmen, they had it really tough to, you know, on the court. Uh, and you can see Isaiah, you know, rebounding from, you know, that sort of midseason swoon that he had along with the rest of the team. And it's really finishing strong. I mean, finishing strong outside, inside. He's showing good rebounding skills. He is showing good passing skills. He had a game with five assists recently. Um, uh, he's really, you know, kind of blossoming here late. And it, it only pretends... Uh, good things for the future. Yeah, I guess you see he was six of thirteen, including three of six from deep, fifteen point six rebounds uh, against uh, Tulsa. Or did I have that box score? No, I closed it for some stupid reason. But um, but against no, here it is. I got it uh, against Tulsa. I thought he was he was just as effective, especially in the second half. Nineteen points, three rebounds, seven of thirteen uh, from the field, one steal and one block. And I feel like he, he's gotten the smoothness back into, in his game from that. We hadn't seen, I think since the Florida state game. Um, now they had, uh, Mayhan out. Was there, is there any word on, um, uh, we know about why, um, CJ Walker was out was because he stepped on people's ankles a couple too many times. But, uh, what about Mayhan? What's, what was the situation with him? Do we know about that? No, just a, a personal issue. I mean, even after the the finale against ECU, uh, Do- you know, Coach Dawkins, you know, said openly that he would expect Brandon Mayhem to be back, and that was when still we didn't know if CJ Walker was going to play in this game. So um, it's been expected that that Brandon Brandon would play. You know, on Thursday, we don't know why he was missing, but um, but you know, whatever it is, it's it's been handled, and, and he is back with the team. I will be interested to see. If C.J. Walker is given his normal minutes, is able to move like we know he can move and jump and and and, and you know um, explode uh, like he can off of that bad ankle. 
um, because there was some question even heading into this week about whether or not he would even play. And so Dawkins is, you know, signed off on that. But okay, well, he's going to play. How's he going to look? Uh, I'll be interested to see. So, so let me ask you, Murph, and, and I know you're not a fan of speculation. Um, no. <laughs> so Eric, feel free to chime in if if Murph Ralph's on my it's question here. Brand. It's just going to be in his new T-shirt coming. Yeah, we're going to not... get it. Yeah, we're going to get a T-shirt with a Murph quote in there. Um, the uh, so what is a what would be considered a successful run in this tournament? Would it be one win against East Carolina and then? You know, if they if they lose to Memphis in the in the quarterfinals, that's okay. Or do you think that they would, or would they be disappointed by that result? Because as good as Memphis is, it's not Memphis. Memphis, it feels like. Um, it's you know, what would Johnny Dawkins and his team be be satisfied with looking back on this effort? Uh, I mean, okay, so like Johnny Dawkins is gonna say we're going there to win a championship, and you know, to well, their credit, like if you look at their last eight games, guys, and I think this is the one stat that kind of blows me away. Six of the last, last eight. eight games, six of the last eight, the two losses were one point losses to the regular season champions. So, all right, so even even those losses were were you know, or no, excuse me, there was a loss to Cincinnati. Excuse me, one loss Wichita State, one loss to Cincinnati by one point. If you look at those losses, they were good games too. I think this. The, the, the stat that stands out the most in that stretch was the fact that before that, 13 games before that, assisted turnover margin uh, was minus, I think it was minus 64, minus 65. Since then, it's plus 11. That's a massive difference. It shows you how well this team is in rhythm as far as sharing the ball, playing more connected, uh, more, more cohesive. The things that, that, that happen over the course of a season with any team. And, you know, obviously COVID, you know, ruined that for a lot of teams, everyone in this conference, basically. But UCF has rebounded to play its best basketball. They feel like after that, after what we've seen, that they can, they can you know, make, do really, really good things, big things. But for the rest, we want to be realistic. Uh, this ride, well, I would be surprising to me if it, if it goes past Friday. I mean, they should, they should handle – East Carolina, as long as they can keep Jaden Gardner from completely taking over and going like 30 and 20, they should be fine. And they play their game and don't, you know, don't shoot themselves in the foot. They should. I know. So Memphis is not Memphis in like, yeah, they're not like the Calipari, like, you know, Derek, like Derek Rose Memphis teams. This is still right now, possibly an instant team though. They have Memphis has, has gotten extremely good, good, They've only lost one game since mid January. They only lost two games since mid January. One of them was the buzzer beater. Was buzzer beater against Houston last week. So I just think that with Musa Cisse down low for Memphis, it's a it's, it's a lot for you to handle on the block. And then they press you, as we've seen. They press you and they and they get after you defensively so hard with so much athleticism. Uh, I, I think UCF, even on their best day, is still going to be forced into too many mistakes to overcome the Tigers. I would be shocked if they won. I would be somewhat surprised if they lost by less than ten. Oh, Eric, oh, wow. wow. Woo. Eric, what do you, Eric, what do you think? Uh, it's you know, do they have a shot? Do they have a shot to get to the semis here? The problem. First of all, no. Um, Murph, you gave a great stat. You made a you were a, you were a guest on the our friends, the Sons of UCF live uh, show with uh, Adam Eaton, uh, Trace uh, Trace Troco and, and Mike. You gave a great stat about 
UCF and their struggles historically in the conference tournament. You remember where I think you said they have only reached the semis once since, yeah. like, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even sure about that. Like, is it once or zero? Like, it's either once or zero that they've reached the semis of a conference tournament since they won the A-Sun in 05. Wow. Yeah, I, I think the one you're thinking about was the year they made the NIT Final Four. They got to the semis of the American. No, I was, I was looking at conference. I was only looking at conference titles, conference tournaments. Right, right. That's I what really I'm saying. But I, they made the semis that year where they made the NIT. They got to the semis in the conference tournament. Uh, okay. In the American. Yeah. I think that's the only time. I like even like the 07 team that was a two seed. They got upset by Rice and CUSA. Um, was, and they, you know, they've never first, been well. Yeah. First round knockouts and their first round knockouts and their first round knockouts under Don, Donnie Jones. Just nothing but first right. round knockouts. Yeah. And obviously a lot a now. A lot, in fairness, a lot, right now, in fairness, a oh. lot of them were in Memphis. So, which has been the house of horrors. Um, yeah. So let's be real. Well, there was here, there was that. The, I'll never forget that the the twenty two win team that Kirk Spiraw had that finished second in the in conference right, USA lost. behind behind Memphis, and they lost by two in their opener to Rice, to Rice. in Memphis. Morris Altman. Yeah, Morris Altman. And, we got they, UCF got cold in the last five minutes. Yeah. Yep. And they and yeah. not only did they fail to make the NCAA tournament, they didn't even get an NIT bid. Yeah, that, don't even get me started on that. I'm yeah. still very pissed about that um because they should have been if in 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 this in the in the if this was like two years ago they would have been an nit team but yeah. that's a whole anyway. other story plus the administration at ucf was pathetic back then um so <laughs> here's the problem that ucf has they're in the wrong side of the bracket yeah if, if ucf was a five seed i actually would like their chances yeah. uh, and it really stinks because you could argue they're two shots away from being a five seed if they would have held on at Wichita, they probably or, – or, like, make the shot against Wichita at home or whatever. You could pick whatever scenario you want. They were that close um, because I think they could they could certainly beat Cincinnati if they had to play them, SMU. Wichita State doesn't scare me at all. I think Wichita is going to get upset in this tournament early. But the problem for UCF is they're in the wrong bracket. Forget Even if you believe they could beat Memphis, even if you believe that, hey, you know, the third time's a charm – they probably then are going to have to go through Houston. And that you're, I just don't see this team beating Memphis and Houston back-to-back days. I, I just don't think so. I think Houston and Memphis personally are the two best teams uh, in, this, in, the, in the conference. So, unfortunately, no, I think they're in the wrong side of the bracket. And I agree with Murph. I think Memphis is a bad matchup because they could press UCF. They have so many bodies they could throw at UCF. And remember – UCF's going to have to play on a second day in a row, whereas Memphis will be fresh. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that kills your legs even further. I, I, you know, I, we're we're so accustomed to crazy things happening in tournament basketball, but I don't know of a matchup that's more assured in this conference tournament than the Memphis Houston semi on Saturday. That just seems like a fait accompli. I mean, absolutely. Oh boy, mark down the date and time you said that, Murph. No, I, but I, 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 you never know. I will back Murph up on the cliff there. I will back him there in that I do think that I think the, I think the bracket that might explode is the top half. I, I think Wichita yeah. State. I think I think SMU. SMU is the wild card in all this. We have no idea what we're gonna get out of SMU. We haven't seen SMU play since Tom Brady was playing in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So they're kind of the wild. And there they are card. at the four seed. <laughs> right, I, which is, you know, don't even get me started. I mean, it's just kind of crazy, but whatever. Um, 
And then Wichita State, I feel bad that I'm disrespecting because what they've done has been pretty remarkable considering what they have gone through with Greg Marshall being dismissed and that scandal and then with an interim coach, winning yeah. coach of the year. I mean, I'm, this is amazing. But that being said, I mean, Murph, am I wrong? UCF should have beaten them twice. Should have beat them, especially at Wichita. I mean, you can, you can, like, if you wanted to be generous, you could have given Wichita State the win here in Orlando like, it was a close game back and forth, but I felt like Wichita State had the better of that game. There is absolutely no way you should have lost at Wichita State. Uh, that game they, that game was in hand. Yeah. That game was in hand both late in regulation and in the first overtime, and they blew both chances. I mean, they, they were, it was it was awful. Uh, they, they, they had that game cinched up. So, uh, yeah, I don't believe in Wichita State either, which, by the way, uh, neither do the uh, – neither does the, neither does the net – or any of the bracketologists would basically say that even the Wichita State is the regular season champion, they must win this tournament to get into the final, to get into the NCAA's. Uh, that certainly isn't true for Houston, which is going to be either a two or three seed. And if Memphis beats Houston on Saturday, you could see a game where if Memphis even loses the final, they could still get in. Memphis is on the bubble certainly, but if they beat Houston and lose, you know, on the final to somebody, they could still get in. Wichita State has no room for error. Even though they're the champion, they have no room for error. They do, they do not have a good enough schedule. They must win. Um, but, again, that doesn't take anything away from what they've done. We talked about how this year has been so much about um, lack of cohesiveness and lack of continuity. No team entered this season with more. I mean, few teams in the nation had, le- had less continuity entering this year than Wichita State, which not only because of Greg Marshall firing or resigning, whatever you want to call it, but the fact that basically half their team left – in the process, uh, they, they, they've done amazing, amazing uh, a job. Yeah, yeah. Credit to their staff who pulled it together. Even though, you know, had they played more games, I don't know if they would have finished in first place, but they did, and they can and they can take it to the bank. So UCF comes into uh, tomorrow's game ten and eleven overall, eight and ten in the conference. Uh, it would be nice to get to five hundred. It would. They're two, three shots away. From being 12 and 9, 13 and 8, and being a top four seed. Yeah. That's that close. Even with all that, everything they've gone through, that's how thin of an uh, It's just, it's really that close of a season. For some reason, people think it's, I mean, it feels like it's a bad season, but it really isn't. If you really dissect it, they're really two, three shots away from being 12 and 9, 13 and 8, top four seed. And maybe we're talking about, hey, maybe they can make a postseason uh uh, tournament here with a win or two but you know it is what it is I will say this if you're the league you're anti-Houston in this tournament right because if you're if somebody other than Houston wins the conference tournament you're going to be guaranteed a multiple bid league right right, right. And, and I will say and I do think this is a wide open field from that standpoint and Johnny Dawkins said so in his media availability he thinks this is as pretty as wide open as it, as it is in the conference tournament that anybody can win it <laughs> It's a great league. I think it shows, you know, it shows that every single year uh, from top to bottom, anyone is capable of beating anyone. Uh, I think you saw that with East, East Carolina, you know, they, they, they beat Houston. So, uh, you know, so from top to bottom, you know, that you know that anyone's capable of winning in a game, you know, in this league. And that's what you want, a league that has good depth like that. And so this year being unusual with COVID, I think it probably threw a wrinkle in a lot of programs is uh, what they were trying to accomplish. But Still, you know, looking at some of the wins that some of the teams have been able to attain, it just shows that uh, anyone is going to have opportunity. The field, to me, will be wide open when they throw it up on Thursday. 
And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if any of the teams couldn't come out victorious. That's that, that again goes back to the problem that you were saying, Eric, about how UCF's basically on the wrong end of the bracket. If they were to get that upset, uh, if they were, well, obviously we're putting the cart before the horse here, but you know, they get through ECU. If they were to get that upset over Memphis, that would just be such a huge confidence builder, I think, for the program in general. But I, I, I want to focus on ECU. I'm not as confident as Murph is about the ECU game because a Jalen Gardner guy in a turn in a conference tournament game can make the di- a one game deal can make the difference. It's not like UCF has blown ECU away uh, in their two meetings. So I, I you know, let's just. I, I mean, true, story. but let's let's say the one in Greenville, they were really shorthanded, really shorthanded. Right. Agreed. Um, basically playing with one one hand tied behind the back. I, the seven point game in Orlando, I thought that UCF kind of. Uh, yeah, they UCF, were they were up by twenty. They were up by twenty yeah. points in that game. The weird yeah. thing is, though, this is the same. This team beat Houston somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how did how did that happen? Except yeah. that well, I think what happened they played in Greenville in a weird random day, I guess. I don't know. Well, didn't also like ECU, I think ECU my, didn't ECU a couple of years ago beat like Cincinnati when they were like a top seed with Jerry right. Cumberland. Right. Yeah. And yeah. look, I think the lesson here is don't go to Greenville at the end of the year. No one wants to go. It's a it's a bad <laughs> trip. I mean, UCF right went there and got the win. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. So I don't know, man. No. Like, Eric, I said, as long as Jaden Gardner doesn't go for 30 and 20, I think UCF is fine. Okay. Yeah. Hope, All right. Hope you're right. <laughs> I know. Uh, me too. Well, uh, that game is scheduled for 7 p.m. on ESPNU at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, you can watch that game on ESPNU or via your ESPN Plus subscription, followed, of course, by the UCF women's basketball game, the Conference Tournament Championship uh, at 10 p.m. So a double dip of UCF uh, on ESPNU, 7 p.m. for the men in their first game of the AAC Championship, 10 p.m. for the women uh, in the final. What an evening of basketball. Oh, my gosh. I wonder, I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this, would the men even be allowed to, like, sit in the stands to watch the women's championship game and support them or do they have to like be leave the court like the premise i, I don't I, i'm being serious i don't even know what good, the that's is. a good question i would i have no idea i would imagine they would probably they would probably have to leave the premises i mean no one's allowed i mean the very few people are allowed on the floor at all uh i can tell you for i can tell you firsthand that there's no media allowed on the floor so i, I think they want as few people as available a few people okay. as close to the floor as possible yeah. players which yeah, is a bummer yeah. yeah but um man that would have been so cool if we had if you had the men's team right out there fresh off the fresh off a win against if they got the win against ECU fresh off that dub which could make coming a out difference. to the stands that can make a huge difference yeah so all right well we're going to be watching for that and if UCF does indeed defeat ECU they would play Memphis Friday at 10 p.m. Uh, also on ESPNU. Semifinals. A lot of late nights, Murph. Late yeah. night with the Murph, huh? Jeff, Jeff, you know, that Memphis game wouldn't be over till, fr- till like, you know, midnight, early Saturday morning, whatever. If they beat Memphis, are we doing an emergency pod? Eastern time. Eastern time. If they beat Memphis, are we doing an emergency pod? Uh, no. Yeah. That's, what if the women win the championship? Are we doing an emergency pod? That, I, I'm, I might be in favor of that. Whoa. I might be in favor of that. I might be in favor of that. We'll have to see. So. Murph, bring your favorite beverage late night. Oh, baby. I got <laughs> we might that. do a night shift. Mark on deck. 
Old fashioned ready, right, Murph? Let's go. Oh, all, all time. Right. All right, here we, here we All right. We'll uh, keep an eye on that for you. And uh, again, hey, if we have a night shift tomorrow night, it means it's a good night. All right. Uh, when we get back, we got lots to talk about around the other sports soccer, volleyball, baseball, softball. Huge, huge week for UCF softball. We'll tell you who they knocked off and how big it is for the program when we return. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We're back after this. We're back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com, where you would find Eric Lopez recapping. The uh, UCF softball team's huge upset win over the Arizona Wildcats, the number two ranked Arizona Wildcats, two to nothing on Monday night. Eric Lopez was there calling the game for ESPN Plus. Gianna Mancha, Eric Lopez, a star in the making, isn't she? She goes the distance, gives up uh, just uh, it, it gives up no runs, walks only two. Three hits given up, strikes out nine. This is the number two team in the country with at least one Olympian on their roster. And she took care of them in short order. UCF got got some, uh, got their first run on a little small ball, bases loaded walk. Uh, And then uh, Georgia Blair gave him some insurance in the fifth on that uh, RBI double to center that scored Denali Schopacher. And that was more than enough for Gianna Mancha. What a moment for the program. What a moment for Coach Bear. Um, and this team, which now stands at 13-3 uh, and three overall, and uh, is ranked now, right, Eric Lopez? I mean, they're, they're getting yeah, they're... some serious... Na- they should get some serious national attention. How quickly are they going to move up their rankings now? Well, it depends how they fare this weekend, but obviously the Arizona win, that's going to that's going to you know, that's going to carry over the whole year. I mean, you don't not too many teams are going to beat Arizona. Arizona is a national title contender. You mentioned the Olympian Deja Mulapula, who is the star catcher. She's going to be on the Olympic team this summer in Tokyo. Might be the front runner for national player of the year right now. It's probably the best catcher I've seen in person in the 15 years of softball. And they've got all-Americans after all-American in that lineup. And that's what shocked me is that John Amacha shut them down completely, shut them out. It's the first time they've been shut out in two years. Uh, it was a masterful performance. Arizona couldn't figure her out, and it's the signature win in the Sydney Ball era. It's it, that day. That's the blueprint there. That game, that win, will be remembered forever. And you know, the 15-year anniversary of the complex uh, actually will be this Sunday. And I will have an article out on Sunday with the 15 greatest moments. I won't spoil it, but this will be right up there. Probably the greatest regular season win at home in program history. Maybe the greatest regular season win, period. Uh, Because it's Arizona. This is the, as I wrote uh, in the recap of the game, they're the New York Yankees of college softball. When you beat them, that's big news. I mean, eight national titles, the winniest head coach in the history of the sport, and Mike Kondrea, to beat them, that's a huge moment there, and it worked out on Monday, being the only, the mash, you know, the big game of the day, and the fact that you know the game was telecast on ESPN Plus. More people, and I can tell you this: I know there's some of you out there that are skeptical about the ESPN deal, and well, he should have gotten more money. I'm telling you, the exposure has been a huge difference, not just for softball, but for all the UCF sports. 
There are more people right now, more eyeballs on UCF sports than there ever has been. My, I had over 300 messages after the game. There are people nationally that are watching this game because it's on a national uh, uh, platform with ESPN+. Plus. Ask the NHL. They just struck a deal. They're going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So um, you add all of that up. It's a, it's, a, it's a day that will never be forgotten. It's a monumental moment. Now what they got to do is put it behind them and forget about it. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> in the past gotta, now. You're right, because you can't – you don't want that to go to waste. So you got to build a momentum starting with FIU at home to conclude this homestand, and then you go on the road to play FAU and so forth and can build that momentum and move up the rankings and maybe put yourself in a position to be in the conversation to host a regional. What's the story right now with FIU, who who is coming here on Thursday, followed by FAU Saturday and then a doubleheader uh, on Sunday? What can we expect from those two teams? Well, FIU is a scrappy team. They're in a, sec- a new head coach in her second year. They're five and ten, but they've lost like like seven games by one run, so it's a little misleading. So again, I'm curious to see how UCF comes out after that emotional win against Arizona. Are they flat? Do they come out and take care of business? And then FAU, they're kind of struggling. Joan Joyce, the longtime head coach there. This used to be a big rivalry game when the back in the A Sun days in the early days of UCF softball from 02 to 05. They're playing in Boca. It's always a tough place to play. A lot of history there, as you know, Jeffrey. Uh, there, ironically, being at the 20th season of the program, they won their first conference title there on that very stadium in uh, in 2005. So, but again, they're going to have a target on their back because they're ranked. And that's going to be the key. And I think the big question with this team is, Gianna Mancha has shown now, they've got a one-two punch with Aliyah and Mancha, very similar to Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier in 2015. I don't think they're as good as that that one-two punch in 15, but they don't have to be with this offense behind them. They've got two legit pitchers. And I think the next step now is, can they get Brianna Vasquez going again? She has struggled early this year. If they can get her pitching to her abilities – they could have a strong rotation here uh, moving forward. I think that's the big question with this team moving forward is, can they get Bree back on track to be that one, two, three punch that they're hoping for before conference uh, play starts here at the end of the month? And remember, conference play this year will be a four-game series. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to need that third arm to to get them through those tough conference, uh, th- those tough conference sort of ringers that they're having to go through here. Um, they got what a couple more matchups with some ranked teams coming up before they hit conference play. South Carolina and Florida too, but that's not till later on um, in the month. In the meantime, they will play uh, UNF on St. Patrick's Day in a doubleheader as well. But that'll be in Jacksonville uh, at 4 p.m. and uh, 6 p.m. will be that'll be before the next time we hit uh, we come on to record our next podcast. So that'll be big. Uh, and again, head. again. Huge moment, Arizona. I mean, it's a landmark win. And if you don't believe me, listen to what G. Mancha and Coach Bear said after the game about the win. We talked about having some heart, and I think we we really had that today, and we were side-by-side side with each other all day long. Um, so I think that kind of showed us, like, we can hang, and <laughs> we're here to play. We talked a little bit about it uh, last night, and then this morning we had a pregame meeting. Um, and it was really just about uh, – you know, the willingness and eagerness and having an edge and, um, you know, just the ability to put that into action um, and have our leaders. We have a leadership team 
you know, for them to be reminders in the dugout and on the field, our coaching staff, I, I told them, you know, when we get to pass the team to the leadership team, that to me is I've won as a coach. And I felt that today. So I love how they responded and um, they, you know, they just do what we, what we ask. They're such a great group. And you heard it, Coach Bear. You imagine what's going through her mind. Somebody who li- was obviously in the West Coast, played at Pacific, coached in the Pac-12 at Washington to beat Arizona. I mean, it's huge for her. Her name, you, you know, we talked about the job that Coach Abe has done in women's basketball, the job Coach Ball Malone has done in softball. These are two hot names in the coaching industry right now. You could argue reside in UCF. The, the hottest name in women's basketball is in UCF, and the hottest name in softball right now is at UCF coaching. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge landmark win for her in the program. Uh, but, but but when you beat a Mike Kendra-led Arizona team. That's big, man. That's huge. Uh, it's going to be – it's it's a big springboard, but again, like you were talking about, you can't spoil the momentum after that. And uh, yep. as big as that win is, you, you got to find a way to package it up and you know not let it get too much to you because <laughs> things – it can come apart really quickly uh, if you're not if you're not careful. Uh, let's pretend that wasn't a segue to UCF baseball. Uh, which is uh, four and eight right now uh, on the season. Uh, coming off of a victory tonight, though, they went uh, they went up to North Florida and Jacksonville, beat the Ospreys ten to nothing. But this is on the heels of getting swept at home by Liberty. Um, in uh, two of those games were one run games, but uh, it it was just the runs just weren't coming, Brian Murphy, for this team. Um, you know, I was about to drop the cliche that we both hate, right? Like, why didn't they save some of tonight's runs for the previous weekend or some stupid thing like that? But, um, but I mean, at least the bats woke up uh, woke up tonight. But I, I want to talk about the Liberty series first because you know, one they they come off the two out of three against Ole Miss, lose that close one at Stetson, but it was a close one. It was a really competitive game. Stetson's really good. They have a really good pitching staff, and then this Liberty series happens and. It feels like the wheels came off of the offense. What happened? Yeah, it was. Uh, again, it's uh, this is where I was going to drop. It's not what you want, but since we wasted it back in the intro of the right, show, I yeah. feel like I'm killing time. Um, I, I was really impressed with Liberty's pitchers, and you know, even Greg Lovelady said after the game about how some of the stuff that they were throwing out there, some of the best stuff they've seen all season, and considering that. You know they throw they throw in Stetson out there and they saw Ole Miss. It, it is a high compliment, high compliment, and I don't think it's just hot air. I mean, I mean, I think it was Frazier Ellard who was most impressive for Liberty. He's a guy in Liberty who was throwing 96 with 81 mile an hour sharp slider. It was really nasty, so good. Uh, and so they got beat by really good pitching, and they could not get any hits going with runners in scoring position. They struck out 37 times in three games. 16 of those 37 Ks were looking, which just makes me feel like they were just confused, kind of guessing. They were in between. Uh, they, they you know, weren't picking up the spin of the ball. So many things, it, just, it seemed like they were all out of sorts offensively. Um, and, yeah, I mean, now it's 3-8, and, and people are like, what's going on? And I, You know, tonight's win over North Florida as UCF continues their run through the A-Sun. Uh, you know, with Stetson, Liberty, and now North Florida, it's it's nice. It's a nice win. I think it was it was nice to see Pablo Ruiz in a home run tonight. Uh, I think he's been off to a slow start because of a, a preseason injury, but uh, he's a guy who is going to be a big bat to this lineup. 
the most important development was a UCF Knight making his debut, Kenny Surwa, who transferred in from uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville over the summer, uh, threw three innings, gave one hit uh, tonight in his debut. He is either going to slot in as a fourth starter um, you know, during those conference weekends when we're going to have four games, or maybe more valuably as a bulk reliever out of the bullpen. Because right now, one of the things, one of the issues I have with this team right now is their bullpen and just the lack of, I think, I, I think there's a, there's a lack of trust here and the lack of reliable arms that Greg Lovelady has in his bullpen right now. And, and we saw that over the weekend against Liberty. And I just think that that's not usually what Greg Lovelady's teams are, are made out of. Usually they, he depends on shortening games to six innings and then, coming at you with a cavalcade of, of strong relievers. And right now, there's a few out there like, like you know, Zach Hunsaker, David Litchfield, uh, you know, but Jackson Clare has been up and down. There's not a whole lot of trust in that bullpen. And I believe that's the one major issue with this team. There are others that I do plan to write about on the site uh, coming up before Friday's game two against North Florida. But Cheap plug. The one, mm-hmm. Yes, the one, the one major issue for this team right now is I think it has, it's pretty short on reliable bullpen arms. Well, they weren't short on bullpen arms tonight, which is actually nice to see, because they had, what, six guys throw an inning each after Sirwell got the start. Nolan Lepkowski, by the way, got got the officially was the pitcher of record for the win because he pitched the fifth. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, everyone else, no one gave up more than one hit. Um, nobody faced more than five batters, so I think that was pretty good. You, but you're talking about Billy McKay, Ben Vespi, Ryan Saltonstall was out there. Uh, Nick Vieira and then Nick Gatilla finished it off. Um, it was also, really, and it's, it's really good to see those guys, especially guys like Vieira, who we hadn't seen this year at all. Saltonstall made one appearance. Lepkowski's made one appearance. By the way, he's throwing 95 again after coming back from a couple of injuries. That is what you those want. Those guys haven't gotten much work. At, that is what you want. And those guys haven't gotten much work at all. So, yes, it was low leverage, blowout, late in a midweek game. But you got to get those guys some work because you you can't this team cannot make it through this conference with eight or nine dependable pitchers, including a rotation. You just can't do it. Uh, or else you're going to be tiring. Like, in conference coming up, Murph. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be you're, you're going to be tiring guys out. So it's really important. I mean, it's really important they get Jackson Clare, you know, stable. And he was so good against Stetson last week, and then he was more up and down this weekend against Liberty. Uh, with his control, if he's good, then I think that changes the pin. But Sirwa's inclusion inclusion is big too. It is. Yeah. All right. So that's the first of four that they have against uh, the Ospreys this week. Now we're going to have a day off. Then UCF and UNF play again on Friday at six on ESPN Plus uh, at home at John Uliano Park. Yours truly will be on the call for that, uh, or at least I'm planning to, unless on. Unless uh, unless UCF men's basketball loses to ECU, in which case Mark Daniels will be on the call. But um, but hey, go Knights, right? Um, By the way, I want to point out because people are freaking out about the three and eight record, uh, you know, coming into tonight's game, and even North Florida has picked off games this year against Georgia and FSU. Although I'm not sure if FSU is any good, uh, they may actually not be at all. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at FAU, the first series of the year. They've gone on. They've went on to beat Florida. They're eight and three. Stetson, yes, they were ten and zero, and now they've lost four and they've lost since. And three of the four losses for Stetson since their ten and zero start were to USF. They got swept by the Bulls over the weekend. 
Uh, and then Liberty beat North Carolina tonight. So uh, Liberty got off to a rough start at the, be- at the beginning of the year, but sweeping UCF and now be- uh, beating, excuse me, beat uh, North Carolina tonight. I think Liberty's better than we than I ex- uh, certainly I expected going into that weekend. I think FSU, I think FAU is really good. Stetson's very good. It's not like UCF is losing to a bunch of patsies. Right. Well, the other thing is, in in kind of listening and reading some of the college baseball people. With the extra year of eligibility, because I know this is the case in softball too, to some extent, but it maybe even just more so in baseball. There's already there's always been parity in baseball. It's a random sport; anything can happen. You add the extra year eligibility, the expanded rosters. I think the narrow margin uh, between you know the twentieth, you know the fifth best team and the sixtieth best team is very small, isn't it, Brian? I mean, in baseball, and I think we're going to see more of these kind of like, whoa, did you believe that result? And up and down results throughout the year. It could be a really wacky college baseball season because of that. I think we have already seen it. We certainly saw in the first weekend we had all, I think, every top five team lost at least one game in the first weekend of the year. Uh, And, you know, if you look at the standings nationally, like it's a lot of powerhouses, a lot of SEC uh, and and, and it's, all, it's all SEC at the top, but I think you're because you're, and you're right, Eric. Because of the fact that the shortened draft and the extra year means more players who were either you know fringe fringe minor leaguers, maybe could have gotten to a 10 round draft or a 15 round draft, they're coming back to those to those schools, to those to those um, you know power six schools, as it were, or or the 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 group of five schools. Meanwhile. The top teams are still losing their best players. I mean, those those best players are going to go regardless. So those top teams are losing their best guys, whereas the second-tier guys who are littered across the landscape came back. I can tell you right now that if the draft was even 10 rounds, I don't think UCF would have Alex Freeland on this team. I don't think they would have John Montez on this team, who's been playing third base a few few times, some second base. He's hit, he's hit well in a couple of games. But Freeland's been a star. Uh, for this team now batting second, uh, you know, showing, you know, gap to gap, uh, you know, ability hitting all, with a great batting eye, draws a lot of walks. Uh, he would not be on this team if it was a 10 round draft, even if, you know, even that. So because of that shortened draft, you have a lot of teams across the nation bringing back a lot of talent and plus the extra year uh, that you wouldn't otherwise. And so, yes, you're going to have a lot of parity because this, the talent pool was more, more evenly spread out. But again, right now it looks like, the SEC. The SEC is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> so, all right. So this it's this weird double home and home with UNF. Home Friday at six on ESPN Plus. Back on the road in Jayville on Saturday at five, and that game was streamed through UNF site uh, before they play again in Orlando on Sunday at two on ESPN Plus. So. Uh, Boy, this is weird. I, I know UCF has done this kind of stuff before, but I I, I can't remember exactly when. It's just well, it is kind of bizarre because you don't because you don't you don't want a ton of midweek games. So, so we're cramming all those usual midweek games into the weekends, and we're <laughs> splitting it, you know, so that each team gets their home and homes. Yeah, you know? there you go. So, and then Tuesday, six p.m. FAU at home, ESPN Plus before UCF gets uh, a shot at Jacksonville next weekend. Uh, two games at Jacksonville before coming back home for one here in uh, Orlando. 
All right, so there's baseball for you. Um, volleyball. All right, I want to get back. I want to dive into volleyball real quick here because the uh, okay. First, first things first. We got to talk about the stupid RPI that came out. Uh, <laughs> this. Oh. All right, so UCF volleyball right now, right now. All right, off to a great start as we've talked about in previous uh, episodes. They sweep. Uh, East Carolina up in Greenville to go to 10 and one on the season. Um, <clears throat> lost only one set was pretty dominant the entire way. This is the big conference weekend coming up right here. Now they have four matches left in the regular season. Again, boy, what a quick regular season. We just started volleyball. Now it's coming to the end. Um, they're at Cincinnati Friday and Saturday, 1 PM each, uh, each time. Uh, no word on uh, streaming this, by the way. But anyway, um, Cincinnati obviously doesn't have Jordan Thompson anymore, but they do have Maria Mallon, who uh, has been who we saw last year. It was like, wow, she's the she's the next one at Cincinnati. Um, but uh, you know, she I, we felt like you know she still had some uh, some things that she had to work on, right? Well, she's apparently worked on because she's again one of the uh, one of the school one of the top players. In terms of uh, in terms of uh, kills in the American, so this is going to be two really tough um, uh, matches against Cincinnati up there, where they're going to host the conference tournament. Don't forget, uh, Cincinnati just uh, uh, knocked off USF in conference play in five. Um, Adria Oliver has uh, is the reigning conference uh, offensive player uh, of the week. So this is a this is a team that no longer has to rely on Jordan Thompson as, used, as as much as they used to, but they're still really, really good, and uh, and they're going to be difficult to handle. Uh, Kirsten Ficker is also uh, has also turned into a real weapon for them, um, and uh, and yeah, like I said, you know, between Malin and uh, and and the supporting cast that they have over there, this is going to be a tough and Adria Oliver in particular and Madison Waters. This is going to be a really, really tough uh, act for UCF to do. They're going to find out exactly where they are. Now, back to this RPI situation. So the, first the way, both NCAA... matches on ESPN Plus, by the way. Oh, they are on ESPN Plus. Okay, because yeah, every uh, every most conferences are on ESPN Plus. So gotcha. Okay, I didn't see anything on there, so I so I wasn't sure. But um, thank you for that. Let's talk about this really stupid RPI that just came out. So there every... we go. All right. Gentlemen, we know who the who the who the powers in college volleyball are, right? You know, pretty much the entire Pac-12. Uh, you know, Texas. You got your Big Ten teams and everything. Care to guess who the number one team in the uh, March seventh RPI is in volleyball? I'm looking, so I won't don't, spoil it. Go don't ahead. just take a wild guess, Eric Lopez. Gotta be Nebraska's or the Big Ten or somebody in Pac-12, right? Oh, that's hilarious! No, it's UNLV out of the Mountain West with a seven-zero record. Uh, you know who's number two? I do actually, so I won't say. <laughs> okay, Army. Who, by the way, listen. Congrats to Army, right? But you're one and one on the season. Uh huh. <laughs> one and one. Uh huh. Right. Number three. Anyone? Uh, I- I'll give you, all right, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. They're thirteen and zero on the season, and they're beneath the they're beneath the team that's one and one. Correct. Uh, it was a hell of a one, though. <laughs> it was one hell of a one. All right, who was it? Bowling Green out of the yeah. MAC. <laughs> Our house. Number four. 
This is your projected Florida. final four, according to the NCAA uh, Women's RPI. UNLV, yeah. Army, Bowling Green, and this team. Florida? No. No, Campbell. Of course. <laughs> Louise Creek, baby. Out of the Big, out of the big South, who, by the way, yeah. is 6-2 and two on this We're season. learning. We, now we know why basketball dumped the RPI. Now, nope. Florida Don't State. the Campbells. Don't <laughs> Florida State, who beat UCF in five earlier this year, is number five in the RPI at eight and three. Houston, by the way, is the top American team at number six. They're 10 and two on the year. UCF is 22nd. There was no reason for them to actually drop this RPI, I don't think. when They, they should have just run the numbers, seen what came out, and been like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> because we, we know how— The problem is you just—the season is almost over. Right. The season's almost over, and this is what the situation looks like in college volleyball. Now, I'm sorry, but if there is one year when you just want to drop the rankings based on lack of dat- lack of usable data, this is it. Where's so, Coley Matrix? Call him; he can fix this. <laughs> so he's a person. He's yeah, Mr. Do- Matrix. Where's Coley? That would be Dr. Wesley Colley to you, Eric Lopez. But that's right. Get, he'll fix this. Uh. But again, this, I mean, you got in your top 10, you got Charleston Southern, you got Jacksonville yep. State, you yes. got Towson and Western Kentucky, then Texas at 11, who's 17 and 0, by the way, Minnesota at 12, Providence at 13, Oregon. At Oregon is the top ranked Pac 12 team. They're 14. <laughs> so, this is, guys, it, this is, I am hoping, I hope and pray that with four matches to go in UCF's regular season, I know they're 22nd, but please, NCAA, do not do what you've done every year in the past and basically rely on the RPI to fill in the blanks in the conference. No, they're not going to the do NCAA that. Tournament. They can't no, do they're that. Not gonna, no, they're not. Well, no. I mean, I think which it's this shows why all the mathematic, you know, you know, fans. No, oh, no, 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 this is an indictment on this. This is year. kind of an important one. This is like the most important one. This is what they use this is, now. This is an indictment I, on this year because there's just not enough data. Now, Jeff, you understand that by talking about it as long as we have, we are doing their bidding because right. they put this out, out probably to create conversation. So, correct. I, I feel like done, I feel like they've done their job here. I feel like yes, the NCAA yes, volleyball yes, RPI. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that's the case. They probably. They were probably planning on dropping an RPI anyway. It's just that the lack of data skews the formula. So throw it out. You don't have enough data. Don't worry. They will. UCF's going to be in Gainesville like they would be regardless if they if they were <laughs> the RPI had its full system data or not. They never believed in the RPI. They're going to go by geography. You know this. I know this. They're going to be. Let's just. Why are we? Let's just put UCF. Let's just get the hotel ready to go in Gainesville. And get UCF the question, and UCF and Florida State will play in the first round. We know that's going to happen. That's the, the deal. Now, let's go back to what's more serious here, and this is the Cincinnati match. Uh, this is basically the winner wins the division, right? And 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 that's you know it. It's big because if you're UCF, what's frustrating is you're probably going to have to. Now, let me ask you this: Are you a believe? Put the RPI aside. Are you a Houston believer? Do you believe Houston's a legitimate threat to win the conference? Because I think we've always come into the season thinking it's UCF and Cincinnati. Are, are you willing to put Houston in the conversation, or are you not sold yet? 
I'm I'm willing to put them in the conversation based on how well they've done out of conference. They split with a really good Rice team. Uh, they and, uh, and and they did give Texas Tech a couple of matches there as well. So I now I'm not I'm not going to say that they're the odds-on favorite at this point because they're clearly not. But I wouldn't. Wait, would count you pick them, them third? Out. Would you be the third pick? Right uh, yeah, now I'd I put give... them third. I put them third. Okay, and the reason I bring that up is whoever loses, and you know, if whoever finishes second between UCF and Cincinnati in this division is going to end up likely to play Houston, who's going to walk over and win the West. That's why this is one of the many reasons why this is a significant match uh, for that reason. And if you're Cincinnati, you know, this is a put-up-or-shut-up type of weekend for you. You're at home. You're facing UCF. You know, people have doubted you that you can be successful without Jordan Thompson. Are you a legitimate – can you be a postseason team? I think this is their statement. This is their best chance to get a marquee win. Mm-hmm. If you're UCF, Jeff, obviously you want to win both. Obviously. Yeah. Okay? You can put if, you can put to bed any notion correct. that there's any doubt about your preeminence in the East. But I still think would a split though. If you take a split on the road, would you? If you had to settle for the split, I think you're okay. No, am I? Am I are, uh, depends on how the split goes down. Like if you if you okay. sweep them in the first match, okay, and then lose in five in the other, I'm gonna have a bit of a sa- I would have probably a bit a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because I'll be like, you know, something we were probably one or two swings away from getting that sweep. Um, right. I mean, but I mean, it's a tough it's I I think it's tough to win two on the road. And and Dodd has even said it's tough to win back to back period, regardless where you're playing. Um, I I do wonder if they split. And I don't know if you know the answer to this. What is the tiebreaker uh, in that scenario? Now, Cincinnati goes to Temple uh, UCF hosts South Florida in that scenario, remainer. But I'm curious what the tiebreaker would be. Obviously, if UCF took two games, I think it's all she wrote. But I do think it's important from the standpoint of you want to avoid Houston in the semis. I think Houston's the clear-cut mm-hmm. team in the West. So I think that's significant. And look, like you just said, I have nobody knows. This is going to be the most entertaining, bizarre selection process when it comes to volleyball and Damn. soccer. Because there is no – you cannot – the RPI is drunk. The RPI is going to be drunk. (laughs) So (laughs) I have no idea how they're going to pick these teams. So if I'm UCF, if I'm Cincinnati, and this goes for soccer, the only way you can guarantee that you're going to be in the tournament is win your league and win the automatic bid because there are no guarantees beyond that this year in those sports with such a quick little data. And and it's so bizarre because you have – Certain teams that played in the fall, certain teams are playing conference only. It's just going to be crazy. I can't wait to see how they actually figure this out. They can't even figure it out on a normal year. How the hell do you expect them to figure it out on a year like this? <laughs> I mean, these are idiots. It's just going to be. It's just going to be really. Hire weird. me. Just hire me. All I right. feel like I feel like Jeff and Eric have so much in common with how much Eric hates the softball selection committee. And Jeff hates how volleyball RPI is put together. I feel like that itself could be its own show. Like, just that alone. That sounds like about, a night shift of special edition. I, th- I think, like, I, th- I think maybe Todd and Bear would be the only people to actually listen to that show. I think that's it. We'd have an audience of <laughs> but two. You, but, you know, it's funny, Joe, Jeff. If Todd was lit right now in with us in this room, he probably would tell both of us to shut up, right? Because he... he <laughs> 
he just wants to worry about right beating Cincinnati and what he he's, I don't I I think in all honesty I've gotten to know Todd and you know Todd a long time as well I think that's the furthest thing from his mind right now I think he's yeah, I, generally concerned about this Cincinnati team because he knows they're he's going to get the best out of Cincinnati this weekend this is a big matchup I, yeah I, I think that the overarching situation here is you you cannot rest on your laurels about an at-large bid your goal is just to win the league just win the league. The, pretend it's going to pretend it's a one bid league because again could, it's a it's a 48 team tournament this yep, year yep Yep. So you're more than like the Americans is not likely not going to get a second bid. So win the league outright. That's that's your and goal. Th- and this is probably the rivalry of the league right now in volleyball, wouldn't you say? Right. Oh yeah, based on the last yeah. based on the last two three years, and especially after last year, the way last year ended uh, on the home floor for UCF, definitely um, it, 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 it's definitely the the preeminent and, rivalry and- right now in the American. And what's crazy is UCF may have to beat Cincinnati three times on their court to win the regular season right. and the conference tournament title. Entirely possible. If if Cincinnati finishes as the East number two, UCF finishes as East number one, they would play – well, Cincinnati at least right now would play uh, – as, as it looks right now, it's East one versus West two, West one versus East two. So UCF would play Wichita State in the first round. Uh, Houston would play Cincinnati in the first round. The winners would face each other in the championship because it's a four, it's a four-team conference tournament this year. It's not the six-teamer that it was last year where they protected the top two seeds. So, um, and and again, like you said, it's on Cincinnati's floor, which it go, the hosting goes to the previous year's regular season champion. So, which I, I don't understand. How are they going to decide that this year? If let's say Houston and UCF both went undefeated, how do they decide that? That's a good question. I would have to ask Chuck about that. I, I, because right. I, I, I'm not 100. I, I think it might be. I know, yeah. poor Chuck, Chuck Sullivan. Chuck, if you're listening, we love you, man. But uh, Chuck Sullivan of the American, who, who Chuck, by the way, is no, lives is on his. Chuck is in bed. That's Chuck is not listening. Chuck went to sleep. Like fair point. Good fair. Somebody, well, somebody at the American tell Chuck that we're thinking about him here. Um, the I, I would imagine it would be top. It, it could be best over overall win percentage. It could also be top finish in terms of the uh, art. I don't know. I don't know. Right, I get, yeah, that's out. your assignment. That's your assignment, Jeff. Between now and, and you know next episode, get the answer there. <laughs> okay. Let it. Let me and talk, Murph know. You talk to all your editors like this, anyway. Um, the uh, so UCF <laughs> against Cincinnati. Uh, they uh, it, again, it's back to back in Cincinnati. Friday at one, Saturday at one. ESPN Plus. Uh, in, uh, Eric Lopez informs me we'll be uh, we'll be televising that match, and then next or, or no weekend off. Following weekend, UCF and USF were on I four back to back, March twenty sixth and twenty seventh. An improved South Florida team, by the way. Yes, although they're still at five hundred in the league right now, three and three, but they can get hot here in a little bit. So, uh, so we'll have to see how that shakes out with UCF getting a week off uh, in between. By the way, uh, star of the week for UCF volleyball, Tally Marmon, who's just been killing it on uh, on service aces this year. <laughs> she said. She had, uh, she had, she is actually leading the conference in aces right now with eight over 12 sets uh, and is leading the conference in aces. UCF does it, doesn't do the, uh, the power serving game at all, but the Knights are leading the conference in service aces 
with 2.38%. That's half a, that's half an ace more percent than Cincinnati at number two. Which, if you ask Todd, you know, like we said, they, you don't UCF does not do power serving. They do basically location based serving system. And this is remarkable what they've been able to do. So kudos to UCF on the service game, uh, which among one of the many things that have been going well for them uh, so far this season. All right, let's update you on soccer. Uh, it has been uh, it, it it was been a rough start to the season for the men's team, but they finally got off the schneid. Eric Lopez on Saturday at home against Memphis, uh, they get the win two to one um, uh, at home. Uh, Yoni Sorokin and uh, Ariel Hadar actually got uh, got two of the goals uh, uh, that uh, got the two goals that UCF needed. Uh, Memphis scored late, but it wasn't enough. Um, and UCF, despite not putting up as many shots as they normally do, Eric ten to seven, um, got the uh, still got the victory. Now, bear in mind though. Um, Memphis was playing a man down because they had a guy pick up two yellows. Um, but whatever, UCF will take it. They're now two and three uh, on the season. And have they gotten an RPI yet for soccer? Let's see how that disaster is going to look. <laughs> uh, no, they have not. No, they have not. Okay, good. They probably just shouldn't if, if anybody's interested um, on that. Although um, they do have, there is a site RPI update uh, for men's soccer. That's a, Sort of a blogger site that's out there um, that shows uh, how you see or, or how a bunch of the teams are doing in the in in the uh, in the RPI at least as of right now. Uh, Memphis is the top team in the RPI at least currently, um, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, again, this thing is all skewed, whatever. Um, but they still get that win. They got the win when they needed to, and now they face SMU on the road on Saturday at 8 p.m in a game that if they're able to come out of Dallas with a win on ESPN plus that could flip the whole season in a hurry. Couldn't it? It could, uh, you know, it was a confidence for them to get the ball in the back of the net in the victory against Memphis. The big question is, do they get Yannick Ertl back? The goalkeeper he's missed the last two matches for what coach Calabrese described. Uh, well, he didn't describe it. He said he can't talk about it. He just says it was not a disciplined thing. <laughs> um, I, well, I've been told- that, that's implied. It's an injury. Of some kind. Yeah, yeah. It's they're like hockey. They don't release. They don't want to tell yeah. you what the uh, what the issue is. So Which that's why fine. he hasn't. It's fine. Say what? Yeah. yeah Which I that's guess. fine. Yeah. Just, just leads to a lot of speculation. But yeah, no. Um, they need a back. Look, SMU's been unbelievable. They were the SMU was ranked number. Now this is weird. Um, for some reason, soccer only updates the rankings like every other week. Uh, <laughs> they mm-hmm. don't really. So SMU was ranked number two last week in the na- in the nation. Like this is the, they've been destroying teams. They beat South Florida seven nothing, uh, Memphis. But they um, they beat Memphis five nothing. But they lost at Temple two nothing last week. So they're going to be refocused. Look, we talked about the rivalry with UCF Cincinnati and volleyball. This is the rivalry in men's soccer. And as Scott Calabrese said, this is the match that they circle every year now in the league. And for them, they know the challenge with SMU. <laughs> It's it's exciting. Um, they they have been rolling. I think they smacked USF seven zero, Memphis five zero. Um, they they've been rolling, and so we're gonna have to have a great plan to go there and to try to win that game uh, because they they have an excellent team uh, historically. 
That's been a big game for us every year. We've met them in the final three straight times and come out the wrong side of that three straight times. So we've, we've got, um, it's a, it's a game that anybody that loves competing is looking forward to that game. And um, yeah, we, we're going to look really close at, at the tape and what they're doing. We know them really, we know them well, but they do have some new players. I think they've done a great job as usual in, in recruiting. Um, every year they get stronger. Um, and even, even in the years where I thought, okay, we've gotten stronger. Then we turn around and we play them. We're like, well, they got stronger too. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be a big game. That was Scott Calabrese talking about the matchup with SMU, obviously, which is going to be big. I mean, it could turn the season around. You're right. Uh, the question's going to be, though, are they up for the challenge? they got to be sound defensively. Now, they did get uh, Learman back for the Memphis match. That was huge. They've been, I mean, they've had some changes in the rosters, injuries, and so we'll see what happens. I'm curious to see, though, who the goalkeeper is going to be. Can Yannick be back healthy uh, in that match? If not, then they got to go back to their youngster, obviously, uh, it, was, it would be the third straight start for him. So I, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm very interested to see how they come out with Matt Douglas being the goalkeeper. I was thinking about that's a tall order against that SMU firepower. You know, but it would be something if they can knock him off and turn the seat. But it's a big ask. It's a big ask. SMU is still good. And we'll see if UCF can build some confidence. In talking to Calabrese after the match, you can just sense he wishes he had more – a, a pre-conference. This is a team that is still yeah. trying to figure out who they are. And unfortunately, this is a bad year to try to figure out who you are during <laughs> conference. That's the problem. And um, but even know, so, trying- you know, they're, they're only halfway through right now. So if you go four and one, let's say you get one of the SMU games, you win the rest of them, right? Yeah. Then you're at six and four. You get to the conference championship. You could be in pretty good in a pretty good spot. No. But they, but they got to get there, and that's easier said than yeah. done in this league. And they've got to find some – you know, Ariel Hadar, who scored the goal, was somebody that's getting more playing time. You know, he's not a starter, but he's getting more playing time because he's trying to find some offense. You know, who could put the ball in the back of the net? You know, they don't have a Cal Jennings, who's now of LAFC, by the way. Cal that's Jennings. right. That actually <laughs> just broke down – broke uh, yesterday. It was that Cal Jennings – is uh, is moving up to L- MLS with the with LAFC, so yeah. he'll be wearing Murph. black and gold again. Dude, Murph, you got to talk to your California connections. Get us a Cal Jennings LAFC uh, jersey. All right, can you do that oh. with your peeps over there? I, I'm I'm pretty sure I can make that happen. Yes, Sweet. yes. Oh, I, I love that. What the hell are we doing, Orlando City? What the hell are you doing? Anyway, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really annoyed. Eric never I, passes an opportunity to to throw shade. How is he not Orlando here? City. How is he not wearing Orlando City shirts? Ah, it's great. Anyway, um, I'm gonna, so we'll see how they come out against SMU. But man, they got to get off to a good start because if they don't, it could be an avalanche. This, I mean, SMU is going to be. I mean, they're a tall. I mean, that is an up tempo game. You remember this? These two teams like to fly. So. It could be, if UCF doesn't come ready to play, it could be a two, three, four goal difference if they're not prepared. But I think they will, and it'll be exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of desperation, I think, on UCF's part right here. And there's, and again, another stupid sports cliche, but there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal right now. UCF is at two and three. They know that if that they have basically no margin for error the rest of the way. So 
again, 8 p.m. at number nine SMU in Dallas, ESPN Plus on Saturday, March the 13th. Mark your calendars for that one. Over on the women's side, they had a big game on the road at Memphis, uh, but came up short one to nothing uh, uh, this past uh, or, uh, this past Sunday. Um, goal uh, in the 56th minute by Grace uh, Storty of Memphis uh, is was the difference. And Memphis peppered UCF with shots, 21 compared to the night seven, and yet uh, UCF was right in it right to the very end. But this one, this one kind of hurt a little bit, Eric, because now after that two and zero start. They've lost two in a row on the road by one goal. And they're standing at 500 right now, two and two, with ECU at home coming up on Sunday at one. That's also on ESPN+. Where does this team stand now, UCF women's soccer? Because they're, unlike the men, right, they're only playing everyone in their conference once. So even though they have what should be some winnable games coming up, they were expecting to be better than 500 at, at the midway point right now. Is that right? Well, the Tulsa loss hurts. The Memphis is a top 25 team. They're very good. Uh, Caroline Delisle is over, you know, really kept them in the match. I mean, Memphis in particular in that first half controlled the action. They outshot them 13 to 2 in the first half. Chippy game, 23 combined fouls between the Ugh. two teams. Uh, so very chippy, which is what you expect. These two teams are rivals for a long time. The tough part for them not getting that a, a lot of offense. They only had one corner opportunity. They just couldn't get anything going offensively. It reminded me of their Cincinnati match at home that they won. They really didn't create a lot of opportunities. So that's a concerning thing because they're going to have to score some goals. You know, who steps in there? And I think that's, you know, the tricky part about it. And this is a big match here on Sunday against East Carolina because after that, you got to go to South Florida uh, and then you host uh, SMU, which is never easy. So, um, they put themselves in a tough spot. I think Memphis is the best team in the league. I honestly think that the conference tournament is probably going to end up in Memphis. But again, as we talked about with these fall sports, man, the only short way to get into the tournament is by an automatic bid and winning that tournament. So if you're UCF right now, your goal is to get into the top four and then, and be playing at your best at that point and hope you could get that automatic bid. And I think she's still trying to find some answers too. That's the challenge with this. You know, volleyball benefited, and a credit to the volleyball coaches and being able to pull this off. They were able to get a couple of weeks in before conference. They were able mm -hmm. to get some matches, and soccer didn't. Soccer went straight to conference only. And then remember, she didn't even get an exhibition match because that got canceled. I think men's soccer had one. I think that's hurt. It's hurt these two teams in particular. Granted, everybody's dealing with it, so you understand that, but – this is the, the when you're when you have some young people that you're trying like UCF and the women's side have questions on the back end with youth and stuff. You're going to have some growing pains. And unfortunately, on a sprint like this, you kind of dig yourself a bit of a hole here. So this is, you know, that's where we're at. I think the regular season title is probably out the window because I think Memphis is the team to beat. Now, the if you're UCF, what you got to focus in, make sure you lock up a top four spot. But it's got to start with a result here against East Carolina. You don't want to be in a situation where we're watching this match on Sunday and it's the 80th minute and it's scoreless and you're thinking, oh, my God, we're headed for a draw. Yeah. You know, that, you know? This, is the, this is the hard part right now because ECU is right behind them in the standings at four points. UCF. Right. is actually tied with Memphis and USF with six points each. Um, even though both of those teams are 2-0 and in conference, UCF is 2-2. Two and two. But these next two matches, ECU 
and USF. USF obviously first in the standings. We know what USF has done to UCF in the past. It's so freaking annoying. Um, and then, right, as, at least as of right now, SMU and Houston, they're in the bottom of the league standings right now. But SMU hasn't even played a game yet, officially. Uh, and then Houston's only played, uh, or, or, and then Houston's 2-1-1, one, one, but 0-1 oh, uh, in the conference. We don't know what we're going to get from SMU, at least as of right now, because I don't know what's because going that's on with that, that program. Well, it's, it's, they have the same issue with men's basketball. They've all been shut down. Yeah. That's the, you know, I mean, and... The, that's They've been the shut double, down, but they have, but they haven't been shut down for good because the game, because no. the game has not been, uh, has not been postponed or canceled yet. So yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We'll I mean. see. I don't know what we're going to get from that one. So that's women's soccer. They're playing ECU again at home, one p.m. Sunday on ESPN Plus. Real quick to tennis, uh, the men's tennis team um, right now. Oh, I wanted to pull up my ITA rankings because that's what I always do. Uh, oh, actually dropped it. Huh? I know. Oh. Drop down two spots, number 21. Sorry, John Roddick. I'm going to do this every single time. Even though right now they are on a four-match winning streak and they've lost only one match in all their dual matches in the last four, uh, knocking off UNF, FGCU, Stetson uh, on Sunday. They beat FGCU 7-0 on Friday. Be, or, or that was February 26th. Never mind that. But they beat Sunday on uh, or Sunday, March the seventh. They beat Stetson seven nothing. Then they beat South Alabama uh, on Tuesday, and this is important because South Alabama is receiving votes. That's a good team uh, from USA that they were able to uh, that they were able to take care of. And now the situation looks like this for UCF men's tennis. They're at they they go on a little bit of a road trip now. They're at FAU on Saturday. Then they have some time out before they go to Florida State next Friday and then to Georgia on Sunday. So this FAU match on Saturday is kind of their last big tune-up before Tallahassee and Athens. And that's a big spot for them, isn't it, Eric? It is. And I think there'll be ramifications, rankings, as you mentioned, you know, and things like that. You're right. But they're rolling right now. They're playing. Both tennis teams are rolling at a high level. I'm kind of bummed out here because I was going to say, man, Murph might get to cover, maybe should cover the, the conference championships for tennis. It's here at the Lake Nona. We've been talking about going. That's the perfect time to go. One problem. It's the same weekend as the Oscars, and we already know where Murph stands on that. So that's yeah, that's not gonna work for him. So we one of these years, one of these days, we're gonna we're gonna find something that works for God's sake. You gotta make it beautiful happen. Facility. Maybe, you know, maybe it's you, Jeff. I don't Brian, know. Uh, Brian Ormiston, we are coming. We promise. Yes. Um, and boy, <laughs> he's going to let you have it, Murph. But anyway, so I think these two teams are I strong. Pl- Ian Bormer are fine. I talked to Bormer a couple of years ago. It's, it's, it's fine. We're good. Years ago. <laughs> We're good. We talked to him 20 years it's ago. We're years good. I, I saw him at a bar two years ago. We, we, settled, it. we settled it all. It's fine. <laughs> we settled it all. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Eric Eric DeSalvo was doing trivia. He was hosting a trivia contest. We had to go there. And anyway, I feel like I, I feel like I brought this podcast to all. <laughs> Bormo, I want you to know you did this. Anyway, oh, like, there you really, go. Yeah, they're really good, Jeff. That's all I got right now. That's all I got. So, all right. <laughs> Uh, as far as the women's, 
All right, I got to restore order here now. The, uh, as far as, yeah, as far as the women's tennis team is concerned, uh, they're coming off a victory over, uh, over FAU on Sunday. Back to back victories, in fact, recovered nicely after the loss to Texas. Beat number 24 Furman four to three on Saturday. Came back and beat FAU on Sunday. And uh, now this Saturday, they face UNF before they have about a two week break before they face SMU at home. So, Another good spot for them. Here's against uh, UNF. And right now, the women's team in the ITA Oracle rankings, at number 16, they moved up two spots uh, at 9-3. and three. So, um, you know, again, this is, you know, right now, North Carolina is actually having a good year in both women's and men's tennis. They're ranked number one in both, which is which is really wow. simple when you think about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, here's, it, it, UCF is right in the position where they want to be, right in the thick of the rankings. Uh, and that's with, some pretty bulky opponents coming down the pike, including Oklahoma get, State and Oklahoma. If they can get both of them, if they can get some more marquee wins, women's have definitely done that. If they can get marquee wins, who's to say, you know, they're hosting the conference tournament here at Lake Nona. Who's to say they couldn't host perhaps some NCAA. of the, early, the rounds in the NCAA tournament in Orlando? Yeah, quite possibly. By the way, Oklahoma State 22, Oklahoma 32 um, in the rankings when they get to those matches in the early part of April. But first things first, got to take care of uh, UNF at noon on Saturday, and um, and yes, they do have the national campus uh, court camps, which is great. So we can watch all the action taking place. I was actually checking some of that out uh, for the FAU match on Sunday. It's awesome. I love how they do that. So um, thanks to the USTA national campus for setting that up. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, and yeah, there we are. We've got you all caught up. So boom, just like uh, that. Uh, one bit of like. This isn't news. I, this actually came out like a few hours ago, but I just saw this. That's something to watch in the in the AAC tournament come Friday for the uh, which state will be without two. They just don't know which two players which state will be missing because they they're not going to release. Uh, so the top seed in the men's tournament will be will be without two players. Are they Wait, so, players? So so Wichita like- states at down two players. Yes, because of COVID. Because of COVID, they're they're missing two players for this tournament. Are they, like, lightly used bench players? Or could it be, like, the co-conference player of the year, Tyson Etienne? Or Tariq Gilbert? Or Dexter Dennis? Like, that's kind of scary. So, uh, you know, Eric and I have already said we don't feel great about Wichita State in this tournament. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Now you feel even less great about Wichita State in this tournament. (laughs) All right. Well, there's some late. Welcome to stuff. March Madness 2021, people. That's, I know this won't be the last. <laughs> by time the we- way, and yeah, and, and and now, by the way, for those who are listening, we're now recording this on March 11th. It's now yes. after midnight. It's on, now on the March morning 11th. of March 11th, Thursday. So uh, later yeah. today, <laughs> softball against FIU, uh, men's basketball against ECU at seven on ESPN Plus, followed by women's basketball in the conference championship later today, Thursday. Against the one seed South Florida Bulls at 10 p.m. So this is obviously the year anniversary when everything shut down in sports, and it's just a good thing to remember that we are still in a global pandemic. Very yes. much so. Yes. yes. So please act accordingly. Get your vaccines while you can, people. Come on, we have a football season that we got to get that we got to get to at full capacity this year. We want we don't want 2020 2021 to repeat itself ever again. So, folks, on. For all of us, please make sure you do that. 
make sure you follow us also at UCF underscore Banneret, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret and Black and Subscribe to our newsletter, which comes to your inbox every weekday at 9 a.m. sharp with the latest news from around the, wor- UC- the world of UCF sports, courtesy of our own Jeremy Brenner, who's been killing it on the newsletter. That's newsletter with a K. Uh, you can sign up via our Twitter account as well. And of course, if you don't subscribe to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, first of all, you should. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us there. And also uh, also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Ring the bell on YouTube and you'll get notified when we're going to go live with the night shift. Uh, whenever something big goes down. Hopefully we get to do one later today, boys. UCF women's basketball against South Florida. We got a conference tournament championship at stake. One could hope. One could hope. Uh, yeah. Either that. If not, then I'll just call Bormo and make sure I'm good. I haven't talked to him in five <laughs> years since the Indians made the World Series. So I got to make sure I'm in good terms. I got to talk to Bormo, too. Wrapping the sh- going full circle on the show. What about the USF, UCF baseball 2017 to, to decide – a share of the conference Ooh, title. Where is that game? Forgot right? about that one there, that's pal. A good yeah. One. Oh, that's good. Rivalries. I mean, yeah. UCF beat USF in the park that was before it was known as John Juliano Park uh, on the last day of the regular season to win a share of the conference title. Right. Ooh, that's a good one. I got to think that's a good one. What do you think, Jeff? What do you think? Would you put that one ahead? Of the women's basketball t- champ, wow, they're both champ. That's a good one. That's got to be in the conversation. Let's see. Let's see how you tonight put, plays out. Put three softball games ahead of it. Does it rank among any of the softball games? Yeah, I'll rank it. I'll rank it ahead of the uh, the two lot to two times they lost to USF. I'll rank it. <laughs> Those yeah. Two. <laughs> All right. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. I'll put it as a third. I'll put it right there in the top three. That's Perfect. a fair one. Yeah, we'll go football. We'll put a softball, women, this basketball, and the baseball, yeah. top four. Top four. There you go. Yeah, so in no, in no particular order except football, number one, obviously. I think we all agree football, the 17 games, number one. But that baseball one, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Uh, I think I'd still rank this women's hoops one ahead of that one just because of what happened, what transpired with the way the regular season ended with the forfeit, no? Let's, well, see, how, let's see how tonight plays out. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, if they lose, maybe it's different. But also, this, yeah. this is only for a share of the regular season title and not, you know, an outright conference tournament title, which I, I don't know. Maybe that's a little different. But, yeah, they would need to win first. All right. Well, we'll be breaking down the uh, basketball game, uh, hopefully after a good result, uh, perhaps after uh, that game is over. 10 p.m. T- for that game, uh, 9 p.m. local time, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You all ESPN, you all the time for UCF tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Men, 10 p.m. Women. All right, that'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Like you said, if you don't follow us on social media, make sure you do it. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, and of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter as well. Subscribe to the newsletter and this podcast. Leave us a rating and tell your UCF, your fellow UCF fan friends in night nation about us uh make sure they subscribe and if you already do subscribe leave a comment and leave a rating let everybody know how much you enjoy what we're doing for you guys here on the black Hill banner podcast for eric and brian i'm jeff hopefully we'll see you tomorrow night on a night shift after if ucf defeats usf if not follow us on twitter you'll get all the latest uh for all of us here at black and gold banner enjoy the basketball 